0: Welcome to the Guernsey Press Arts Podcast, a podcast about the arts in Guernsey, produced by the Guernsey Press and presented by me, Simon Delarue. On this month's edition, we'll pop in at Candy to hear about the current exhibition of oil paintings by local artist Brenda Munson. We'll hear from Guernsey Filmworks about Underground, their feature-length movie filmed right here in Guernsey. We'll hear from several of the protagonists in this year's very youthful one-act play festival. And we'll find out about a new effort to marry up musicians with available performance opportunities. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where's Russ Fossey in this month's Poddel? Well, I did have another very interesting chat with the Head of Arts Development at Guernsey Arts regarding one of the nine pillars of their plan for the arts, but we're going to keep you waiting a little longer for that. I actually spoke to him at the recent Arts Sunday event in town, along with the Princess Royal Centre's Oliver Bailey Davis and a few of the stallholders, and you can hear all of that on a separate podcast, which we'll publish right here in the next week or so. For now, though, let's turn our attention to the movies and the new film from Guernsey Filmworks entitled Underground. Guernsey Press features reporter Sean Shackleton caught up with writer-directors Lars Janssen and Charlotte Dawn Potter and began by asking about the premise of their new creation, which was filmed right here in Guernsey.
1: So, it's a hen night it goes so terribly wrong like so terribly wrong and they end up in the underground hospital um and they're all a little bit drunk and then the ghosts all come out and the history comes back to life and they're stuck there basically
2: right okay
3: so um how did you come up with the
2: idea it was actually almost like uh it kind of started with a little bit of a joke because I was always thinking like it, nothing really's been done on the f- film level with the Underground Hospital, apart from the film from somewhere in the seventies, uh, the Blockhouse. Oh, the blockhouse, yeah. That was the only thing because yeah. you know it's been filmed. And usually it's only more documentary or TV specials and things.
1: Paranormal investigator. Paranormal
2: investigation. <laughs> but that's all kind of like internet based. It's it's and I was like, oh, we should really do something with this. But then. Yeah, trying to come up with an idea sometimes isn't as easy, or you know, you can't always come up straight away with an idea. I
1: mean, oh, you can come up with plenty of bad ideas, or a lot of bad ideas. A decent idea.
2: Um, but I was kind of joking about someone saying, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if you have a bunch of d- drunk English women <laughs> in, in the underground hospital, and then and, and, and things go wrong and you know, spooky, and that basically that." kept with me uh, stay with me and i just and we
1: talked about it and we got yeah. out.
2: actually and it's not like they can't find the exit because mm-hmm. they're idiots but it's just more it's like it's
1: like it turns into like a labyrinth a maze yeah so they're going back on themselves and yeah the lights are off and they they end up In almost like a time warp and get sucked back in time at moments. Not without giving too much away.
3: So um, what is the writing process? How how do you start beginning? Do do you both write together or do do you write separately and then come together or...?
1: Well, we have a very specific writing process. We kind of flesh out the ideas and brainstorm the ideas between us. Um, We come up with like a story outline. Then Lars generally does the first run through and first draft of the script. And then we just pass it between us. Right time and time again. So Lars will pass me the script. I will go through it and make my adjustments, my edits, cross things out very brutally, um, put whole new sections in, and then I pass it back to Lars, and Lars then we repeat until we're both happy with it. Um, and that's what's worked for us time and time again.
3: And, and, and do you storyboard? everything as well is it, is it all kind of worked out on paper beforehand it depends
1: on the project it
2: depends on the projects like when we did the short film Lorelei... um
1: there were very specific visuals and shots we wanted yeah. to create and we've got future projects that are very visually um precise whereas underground is a found footage movie so Blair Witch Project, Cloverfield, Paranormal Activity. It's a very different style Mm -hmm. and it pulls you in with the characters and it's very immersive in in how it works, but it's not going to have like, um, I mean, the shots are still nice they're mm-hmm. beautiful but they're not like beautiful scenic right yeah. specifically crafted shots yeah it's it's a different that, type of medium that's the
3: premise of, of kind of found footage it's got to look it has realistic to look hasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and
1: real yeah so and you can't you can't set things up as perfectly because then it's like this is this is so fake oh well, yeah. it's actually funny
2: because you know you would think if you you know try to capture a beautiful image or something like that you still do the same with found footage it's not like you just do whatever yeah like when you have a group of people involved because we've got you know a few actresses characters it's more choreography uh than actually anything else right and that takes like a few run throughs it's almost like a like a play yeah but you're registering at the same time
1: we had one specific scene where there were the core group of actors and like a mystery spook which you guys will find out about later and some other actors coming in everything was time so specific to where the camera went to where these people went to where they were and it was it's so precise that if one person goes wrong you have to do it all again all
3: right yeah okay. was that, was that, that was going to be another one of my questions do you actually rehearse in situ or is it out of the actual scenery
1: we do a walk through right or we did a walk through mm-hmm. yeah. um then we just roll and see if we can get it and then we just keep going at it because who knows the first time you do it after a walkthrough it might be perfect so we always try with the camera it's also
2: to kind of uh keep a certain spontaneity Mm uh because i like the improvisational improvisational part
1: improvisational
2: yeah yes uh part um thank you (laughs) uh part uh which i like um but if you do things too often, or people, you know, especially actors, start to think too much about it, or right. they, uh, and then it becomes too rehearsed or.
1: Such you, a huge part of found footage yeah. for a lot of mediums is improvisation because it needs to right. be yeah. snappy yes. and real. So,
2: so yeah, the, the whole script basically isn't as traditional as it usually is. Right. So, it's more called a scriptment. Um, so, it's more like an outline of each scene. And what the goal is of each scene uh, and what you know subjects are that need to be discussing and then we basically put the actors in that environment mm-hmm. and say okay this is what we need to do and go and then <laughs> and then, sometimes that's scary for certain actors um, but
1: they all handled it really well yeah
3: really, yes yeah, yeah. Because it's not this is not the first time that you've actually filmed in this location.
2: No, no, no. We we come there too often,
1: actually. <laughs> Honestly, far too often. I'm but, sick of it,
2: it. it.
3: I mean, it's, it's it's a filmmaker's dream of a place, isn't it? Have this so on your door. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Isn't it? it is. Well, yeah. Are,
1: like just to say, there are like sounds in the film that we recorded that we can't explain. That we were like, okay, this is a spooky sound. Put it and put it into the soundscape. So yeah. you will hear things in the film. Be like. Is that real or did yeah. they actually record uh, that? Because we didn't
3: sound effects then. No, no There no, are some real. genuine like yeah. there's
1: there's like a shrieking noise and there's like whooshing and dripping and like footsteps that we captured and right. we're just like, okay. There's,
2: yeah, especially <laughs> Thank when you, ghosts you,
1: we'll put this in.
2: Especially when you go in with very high sensitive microphones and things and you put it. We love it. You sometimes pick up on, on things. Yeah. And sometimes we didn't even notice until I was in the edit. And I was like, "What's that odd sound?" And you think, "Oh, I left something." <laughs> you know, you got multiple tracks sometimes, multiple yeah. su- sound layers, and you're like, "Oh, something's wrong. Something's moved." You know, that happens. And and then I was like, "Oh, what's that odd noise?" Can't find it. And then it's genuinely like really weird, wow. very odd human-like noise yeah like a, ooh, like, a like a weird th- that is one of the <laughs> yeah. yeah. there. yeah and it's not like a ooh. it's not like that but it's more like a ooh. very heavy and I'm like it was just us in there and
1: the door was locked and we were all in the same spot yeah. there's no explanation for
2: that <laughs> but <laughs> i think we especially when we um shot scenes for the short film lorelei there um yeah we we shot that there we did kind of like a short film for a for a contest uh, a while back uh, which is also called underground which is basically it's 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 uh, it was made for a contest for in the UK and it was like a 3 minute short uh, and that kind of also started the idea of we should really do something bigger in the, I Now we've got feature-length film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so some elements of that short film are in the feature. Right. Um, but it's a different approach because in the short film, it's it's basically like a, a, a zoom call. People tour, having a tour.
1: Like you could actually zoom tour down there. There's no. You can't. There. Because there's there's no no, reception. There's no reception or anything.
2: But we do play no. with that because it's 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, because
1: the girls are down there. They got no reception. It's of it's course, it's yes.
2: glitching yeah. and everything. But you know, we kind of uh, use the ma- movie magic to pretend no. that there's some kind oh, of connection yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah don't give too much away <laughs> so um you um
3: you must have a good rapport with uh Fest guernsey then because because of your the time that you spend in there how, yeah. how long did it take to film in in
2: in the underground hospital um we had it for two weeks yeah basically roughly two weeks two weeks so we spent a lot of time in there makes us all go a bit delirious (laughs) of the mold and the the damp and the wetness and the and i tell
1: you when you're down there it feels like time is dragging on and then you'll come out to the top and it'll be dark you'll be like how
3: yeah 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 because you, you i mean how, how how did you assemble the cast because uh the i mean some of them are, are quite well known they've been in, in quite a few things before um I, I mean there's only one local and that was was that sapphire yeah sapphire. They, they,
1: they, they
3: were they in a local it one. Yeah. they must have they must have um knowing what the underground one was like, but yeah. maybe the
2: other ones were kind of... Well, kinda... some people, either from Guernsey or live here for a while, and they have never been in there. Yes, yeah. Uh, for reasons that, because they, like, think it's scary or, you know, they've heard <laughs> it enough about it was, or not really interested in it. But, um, yeah, we... we, we... Some of the people we took there before. We have
1: um, local actors in some of the other roles as well. Yeah, it's a mix. So we do have like the the girls, the cast of the girls, the five girls. We've got Sapphire, who Mm -hmm. they are a local actor, Um, and then Caitlin had spent quite a decent amount of time here, Um, but Maiko is a Dutch actress, and Nadia is from the UK.
4: Right. right, Yeah. Um, But then
1: the other local actors are more in little, little other roles. Right, yes.
3: Right, okay. You might also see Simon. So yes, yeah, probably yes. Press <laughs> yeah. uh, Press's very own Simon Delarue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's probably st- starring in it as well. He he was wondering whether he'd be kept in or. Oh yes, he, he, was on the. He survived the cut. Is it? really? Oh, yeah. Not he, everyone he
1: survives the cut, but he did.
2: Unfortunately, uh, when you film like almost for a footage, it was, we had like twelve hours of footage, something like that, which is a lot. Um, and then
1: our first cut was like three hours long
2: <laughs> yeah because we basically a lot of the scene, basically a lot of the scenes were like full you know the full duration of the scenes uh we added those and then we were like okay <laughs> and Then you start cutting away where there's too much basically fat on the bones and you kind of mm-hmm. start trimming it all down uh, which is a normal process but
1: it's, it's... all about the pacing
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i was going to
3: say because is this your first full length yeah, feature? Feature, yeah yeah is it easier to make a short or is it easier to make I a mean, longer film? I mean, I
1: think by default it's easier to make a short because it just takes less time and less resources, less money because um, the feature is so much more footage and material. And...
3: Yeah. But as you say, it's got there's got to be a pace to it, and especially in, in, a, in a horror or a thriller film. Mm-hmm. The, the, that, that pace has to...
1: You can't keep it up all the time because no. then just people... It either becomes boring or it becomes overwhelming or it just yeah you set. have to find
2: a balance between um you know everything you can't constantly be
1: scary 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 and yes you yeah. kind of have to have
2: a bit of a break mm-hmm. and that's also something we we can because you can write all the ideas and then sometimes you, you you basically you make a film several times the idea the writing in writing and the editing so there's, right, yeah. there's, there's re-imagine it. you reimagine yeah. the and film. And then
1: eventually you have your finished project and yeah. everyone else who views the film will have their own interpretation of it, whether they like it, dislike yeah. it, right. or their own viewpoints of it. And that's another really interesting part of it.
3: Yeah. Uh, what, people's comments. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. Like, I don't care if people dislike it or like it. I just want to know what people think. I think yeah. it's really fun have a conversation about it
2: mm-hmm. yeah it has been fun because we had a we have done a few test screens so to speak um so
1: we've had people hiding behind cushions oh really
2: well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that, that is good yeah. that's good news that's a yeah. good uh, yeah, it, yeah it was it was interesting to see like because the first part of the film we kind of get to get to know the girls better and it all seems quite um easy breezy easy breezy <laughs> and there's it, a bit more you think oh this is more comedy or this, this is this, a good this old
5: time back
2: to, and then as soon as things go wrong they go wrong and then gradually things become more uncertain and unusual mm-hmm. and all that so we kind of drag everyone into the darkness <laughs>
1: We lure you into like a false sense of security. Right. Then, <laughs> then we get yeah.
2: you. Yeah.
3: Brilliant. yeah. So, so how did you both get into well horror? Should, should, should we should we call it horror or should we call yeah. it thriller or? What well, kind
2: of- the, the problem is at least I noticed that often when you say horror to someone who's not really necessarily acquainted with film or mm-hmm. they kind of oft, not often watch anything, they often think if you say horror they immediately think of like slashes and yes, and yeah. uh, buckets of gore. And blood Which and guts. Don't do. <laughs> no, no, because that's... that's often what people think. Like, ooh, uh, they immediately think of the more extremes. But it, there are so many subgenres within the genre, um and we personally like more the paranormal or supernatural, and suggestive, and, right? Yes, and yeah. and uh, atmospheric things. So there's we can easily say um in this film it's not like you know you're gonna be scared of gore and and brutalizations and
1: every single time we write a horror we write the story to stand alone without the horror aspect so if you take the horror out of it it still needs to have a story and that's kind of how we approach our projects also with the characters they need to be fleshed out and whole and interesting and unique they're not just there to no, like, you yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So you you made a call out um before you started making this film because you wanted to ask people if they had any footage of their own because uh, there was that uh, time, uh, wasn't there. Yes. Yeah. Where the 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 um was it was it a holiday maker who actually yeah. had, had had some footage yeah. that she'd taken down there. Yeah. Did anyone come back
2: to you? Um, we didn't have too much response, no. unfortunately, and the response we got, we weren't too convinced of the material. Right, okay. And it's it's not because of the quality, but it was more like you know another uh, um, orb or like
1: a, uh, a little smoke,
2: like a smoky thing. it was it, right, it's, it yes. was all kind of very similar. Yeah, and we were hoping to get something. We have we had one photo in particular that it's like a silhouette standing uh that one was good and that was a, a really good one and also the story behind it but um and w- we have some footage and things or mainly audio but i don't think it was enough to warrant something within the film because right. we were thinking yeah. like oh if some you know have some elements and things you can put something together right yeah. but i think the film also, speaks film for itself
1: <laughs> ended up standing alone in itself it's mm-hmm. like, as you work on it yeah imagine it
3: yeah because i think you're usually, you're going to put up a little bit in the in the end in the end kind of credits or something yeah. Like that. yeah so yeah that's, that's, yeah,
2: yeah. If,
1: if it's basically if
2: if we would have a lot of things that would have stand out uh then it, it would have been it was yeah. basically based on what can we get and see but if there's any. We can still share them later, like
1: you've on got, our Instagram and lot. stuff. <laughs> yeah. But
6: we've got a whole <laughs>
2: you now. Out now so. yeah. You don't need anyone else's.
3: So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you working on any new projects? I know this is one, this is just finished and oh, it's over <laughs> now. You know, this is like a year's work, is it? Two
2: years' work? Um, yeah, something like that. Sometimes things are a bit slower uh, also because we made this film just after, you know, the things calmed down when it came to uh, COVID Pandemic. and lockdowns and, and yeah. you know, still testing, you know, every day uh, when we were filming that. So, but, yeah, it takes a while. Uh, We've got
1: a few things on yeah. the horizon. I don't know how much we want to say, but we are working on um, more features in Guernsey. We've got really exciting collaboration with... American uh, filmmaker and we're helping them produce a project here we are working with a company in the UK as well a production company to make more films in Guernsey and also make Guernsey more excessive for other filmmakers to come right. to yeah. so we're working on building that kind of infrastructure here and also with our own projects we've you know a couple more horrors coming along Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's,
2: even when we were uh, filming Underground and and finishing it, that we were already working on other projects. We always kind of multiple things going.
1: Juggling so many things. But I think we've got three, I'd say three yeah. really well fleshed out projects yeah. that are in various stages right now. And
2: and, and and along the line, we basically also get in touch with people that see our work and and get uh, interested in guernsey mm-hmm. uh even the film festival that we uh organized last year and we'll also be organizing there's going to be another one the another another uh, yeah. 7th of eight and 8th of october all oh, right okay Yeah. guernseyfilmfest.gg um, it's coming <laughs> <laughs> that's where you can to find the mallard.
7: It. Up at the, mallard,
2: yeah. the first hints of what we will be showing the themes folklore um so yeah we we noticed that more people are starting to kind of discover Guernsey through yeah. through things that we're doing, which is kind of the whole idea as well. Um, we
1: just want to make so many films here. We've yeah, so and you've got people
2: being like, "Oh, that's interesting," let's let's can we do something in Guernsey? So we're talking to people right now to to facilitate uh, projects and things. Uh, so that's
3: people off island coming into Guernsey. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, yeah. Uh,
2: because, because there's quite a lot going on
3: at the moment film wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with local uh, film yeah. companies and all that. It, it's, it, I mean, you, you all seem to be kind of happily working together. Oh, yeah, kind no, Kind of separately, obviously, but I mean...
1: I mean, so it's all, all love and respect. Like, I greatly... Um, I, I think they're great, the other filmmakers here. very yeah. Very, like, solid, lovely people wish them all the best. Yeah. We'll never stand in their way. We'll help them when possible. <laughs> we just, we've all got different things that we're doing, I guess. And we're yeah. just cracking on, aren't we? We're all, on, got, all we?
2: Rome, Rome yeah. things, and sometimes things cross because of working with people. It's like we, was,
1: we were sharing Sapphire during the shoot because Sapphire was on the other show, um, Dare to Dream with Alex. They were, They were going, and Uh, they were in Macbeth, so they were were just spread very thin. Yeah. Um, So we had to like talk to Alex, and we'd be like, "Hey, can we have Sapphire on Saturday?" (laughs) And he's like, "We need Sapphire in the afternoon on Saturday," so we had to like. Trade sapphire between us. Yeah, it the, was quite ridiculous for, this,
2: for the schedule as well. I was more like, okay, we can't. It was because of availability and and all kinds of other reasons. And then it was literally we were really like, okay, what time are you finished? Because then we can pick them up. And um, yeah, so that was um, a bit of a stretch <laughs>
3: but it worked. <laughs> yeah. So the premiere is on Saturday the seventeenth of June. Yes, yeah,
1: it is. Is, is. is it a private showing? It's uh, invitation. Uh, invitation I know. We uh, have. We will be doing later showings for- oh you will
3: be doing oh, i was gonna say we've got we- some
1: little fun tricks up our sleeve yeah. including some screenings actually in the underground hospital wow to raise money for fairstone to help them continue to maintain all of the fortifications on the island and keep that history alive so you can come you i mean if you come into that you want bundling up very, very warm. Um, (laughs) But if you're a fan of horror and you can hack it, sure, I don't know that I will be there. Really? To be quite honest. And
3: and you've made the film yourself and and you're in it. (laughs) I'll say
1: hi and then I'll come back for the end. It's so scary down there. I've spent so much of my life down that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We had they were there were some of the actors in the film and um they were just so happy to not be down there anymore (laughs) (laughs) i was like
4: goodbye (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow tomorrow
2: we're only filming this and this and we don't have to go down oh i'm glad
1: the last shot of the film though we did was at the actual police station so we were fully out of the underground hospital we did like the news report at the at the police station the Guernsey, police. So we managed to get rid of it and then finish elsewhere.
2: Yeah, there's still people missing. So that's <laughs> that, that's that's yeah, that's, yeah. If you watch the film, yeah, will be addressed by, um, yeah, by uh, we can't say Chief she's missing Inspector, <laughs> because that. it's
1: still under investigation.
6: Oh, okay, right, yeah, okay. Okay, there's some people yeah.
2: missing, unfortunately. We, we obtained the footage, but mm-hmm. it's uh. Yeah, it's very mysterious what happened that night. It sounds
3: sounds fantastic. Uh, (laughs) uh, Thank thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, I'll I'll be there. And uh, Lars, Charlotte, thank you very much for coming in in and chatting with us. Thank you. Thank
6: you.
0: Lars Janssen and Charlotte Dawn Potter from Guernsey Filmworks there speaking to Sean Shackleton. Glad to hear I made the cut, although I should point out mine is a very minor part indeed. And I can vouch for the spookiness of the German underground hospital. I've performed in two MTG productions in there, and in the first, Frankenstein, three years ago now, uh, I recall making my way from backstage through a connecting tunnel and into the space behind the audience, and I stepped aside, I remember, to let someone pass, who was clearly in even more of a hurry than I was, Uh, going by their rapid footsteps, and as I stood to one side, I realised there was nobody there. Uh, let's just say sound behaves oddly in there. Uh, to a considerably drier and cleaner venue now and the latest exhibition at the Guernsey Museum at Candy. Local artist Brenda Munson was a prolific producer of oil paintings depicting local scenes in which she studied the nooks and crannies of Guernsey's built environment. Guernsey Museums and Galleries registrar Lisa Burton told me how the exhibition had come about.
8: Um, so... The family of George Webber, who's the collector whose paintings are actually in the exhibition, he approached um, Russ Fossey from Guernsey Arts and asked if uh, the family asked if he would be interested in putting on an exhibition. Um, and um, Russ actually passed him on to the museum. And uh, we went to the house um, where he had some of them on display and we were really lucky to see them. Um, there and thought actually I went with a couple of colleagues from the museum and we thought it had the makings of a great exhibition that um, uh, would have a lot of interest for a local audience Um, and they very generously also loaned us a news cuttings album that George had put together about Brenda um, which kind of so she was telling her story in her own words um, through interviews with the Guernsey Press and other arts organisations, um, which was a lovely aspect of it. So we, we had the paintings. We also had information about Brenda, who um, had... She was a true Guernsey artist. Um, she was born in Guernsey in 1931. Um, she grew up... Her father owned um, or, or ran um the Huggett Farm in the Cattell. And then she was evacuated to Halifax during the war with her mum and her sister. Um, And she came back, she said, to the island with fresh eyes um, for the local landscape. And she said that she wanted to express herself um, in some way. And at first she wanted to be a poet, but then she said she couldn't find the right words. So she became an artist instead. And she wanted to paint what Guernsey meant to her, so we've, yeah, we created this exhibition um, which kind of showcases Brenda's unique love for the island, I think. Uh, her unique vision of the island and how she wanted people to see it.
0: Well, us- we've got uh, Joe Dowding <laughs> with us also. Um, yeah, tell us about the, um, the, the response that you've had here to this exhibition, but also um, the, the, the kind of work that uh, Brenda Munson has produced and, and what people find in it.
6: Well, the feedback so far has been overwhelmingly positive um one of the joys of working in a museum is hanging around when pe- people don't know that you work there and eavesdropping um and hearing people say, "Oh no, where's that?" Oh, I recognize that um oh, and having conversations about where these different locations in the paintings might be um and our comments book is just full of pe- people saying that they didn't know her work or they they knew her work so they're sort of indulging their interest so it's been really positive um and um her work is well it's so distinctive lisa came up with the term Monsonian, which i think is really good like when you see a scene now of a guernsey alleyway or a pathway or a corner of a building um you you think of her um she didn't paint any people in her paintings um, and they're sort of reminiscent of lockdown really because behind us here we've got a scene of the seafront with the town church and the Albion pub, the Leavers and Woolworths and just no sign of life at all, just the buildings. And it's um, it offers a unique sort of... Um, view of our island really and the quotes really add to it like what Brenda said herself about her work they're just a gift for the curatorial team
0: Yeah, because often you, you'll you'll have some description next to a painting at an exhibition and it'll be somebody's interpretation of a work but here you've actually got the artist expressing something about it themselves and oh, what is the theme that crops up in her comments about her
6: work well she called Guernsey her Granite Island which is where the name of the exhibition came from Um, and she, I'm I'm looking at one now, which is one of my favorites actually. And she says, I prefer to paint things that people may overlook. I want to say, Hey, look, you missed this. And I'd say that's definitely true. Like she's interested in corners in little nooks, um, of particularly St. Peterport, but also like things like moss growing out the wall, um, and little angles and shadows. So things that you might easily walk past.
0: And in terms of uh, Brenda Munson's own sort of um, reputation as an artist, I mean, was was that secured early on? Was she particularly well known in her lifetime? Or has her, her, um, respect for her work sort of come about since?
8: Um, so she ran some studios herself. Um, she first ran a studio back in 1967, um, early on in her career in St. James Gallery, it was called. I think it only ran for a few months. But Um, She always had an ambition to be a successful artist. Um, She's quite interesting, great local story. She ran a grocery store in St. Martin's with a friend because she said that she wanted to earn enough money so that she could become a full-time artist. Um, And then she also, she ran a gallery, Studio Galois in the Lower Forest Lane in town. She moved out to Hopeville and also ran one there. And she was trying to encourage other artists to become part of a group to support each other. Um, And then she went back to Lower Forest Lane, which I think some people may remember her studio there. But she did also have exhibitions at the Coach House Gallery. And she was part of that generation of artists like Barry Owen Jones and Marie Winnie as well. Um, And she held successful exhibitions in Biarritz in France. She was apparently quite popular amongst the expat community in Singapore. And she had exhibitions over there and in Sweden. So... Um, She did have success in her lifetime um, and I think she was a very popular artist and I'd imagine that a lot of Guernsey people may have works by Brenda in in their own houses Um, but I, I guess it's like sometimes that people are very popular at a time and then kind of go in and out of fashion a little bit so it's been wonderful to kind of put these paintings together in the exhibition and um, remind people um, about Brenda and her story.
0: Well, you have uh, whetted a lot of people's appetites for uh, a viewing of of all these works here. When is the exhibition open until?
8: Uh, It's open until the 21st of June.
0: And is that every day here until then?
8: It's open 10 till five, seven days a week. Free with your discovery pass.
0: Yes, there are a few bargains available in Guernsey that are quite as snap upable as the Discovery Pass. Lisa Burton there, and you also heard from Access and Learning Manager Joe Dowding. The exhibition runs, as you heard, until Wednesday the twenty first of june at the Rona Cole Gallery at Candy. You may have read in our pages recently that the new director of the One Act Play Festival was on a mission this year to attract more youth into the annual Gaddock event, and Jenny Fuller certainly succeeded in doing that. There were well over 100 participants aged under 18, alongside a number of adults, and they scooped up plenty of awards. I went along to the Tuesday night of the four-night event and was able to speak to cast members and directors of the Avril Earl Dance and Theatre Arts Centre's The Untold Story of Rose Read and first Gadox owned The Genuine Genie, directed by Sophie La Balastier. Um so tell me how you feel it's gone tonight.
9: Um well I was backstage, I didn't watch, um but from what I saw from the wings I think it went really well.
0: And uh, tell me about what it's like for you on an occasion like this to be able to get instant feedback, not just from an audience, but from a professional adjudicator.
9: Um, it's really valuable actually Um, as a first time director doing something like that having that feedback is it's brilliant for me Um, and it just gives me ideas for things to work on next time and things to pick up on so yeah it was it was really good
0: so um, what do you have uh, in line next is this sort of an annual venture for you or you've got lots lined up for the next few months
9: uh, yeah, so I've got quite a few things lined up now, now that I've done this one. I think I've got a bit of a bug for it, um, so I've already got my idea for next year and I've put up my panto proposal in for 2025 as well and I have some bigger ideas for in the future. But...
0: <laughs> your panto proposal for 2025?
5: Indeed, I'm a very organised person.
0: <laughs> that, that terrifies me. <laughs> um,
5: my name's Ellie Luxon and I played the old woman.
0: Uh, and, and played it very well. What was it like uh, being an old lady coming onto the stage there?
5: It was really fun, especially to get into that character and put on the vo- voice and make it my own. It was really fun to do.
0: So how long have rehearsals been going on for you for this?
5: Um, like seven weeks? Eight weeks? Seven, eight weeks?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's gone by in a blur, I imagine. And uh, so, I mean, all, all of a sudden it's... Um, it's over in one night. Um, what are you looking forward to next for, th- for theatre and drama?
5: Uh, well, I actually am in another one-act play tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. But otherwise, I'm looking forward to the Christmas panto this year.
0: Um, lots of crossover, lots of people being in, involved in different roles. Uh, Katie, I understand uh, you, you've been acting in two plays and uh, yes. choreographing another.
5: So I was in Genuine Genie tonight. I was in Panto Pandemonium yesterday and I choreographed for Radio Ghost, which was also yesterday.
0: And you're going to school in the meantime as well?
5: Yes. <laughs>
0: How are you feeling physically right now?
5: Um, a bit drained, but keep going. <laughs>
0: Um, your your energy was commented on, on uh, stage tonight. How, how do you... This is a, 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 a deep question, I suppose, but how do you feel coming onto a stage knowing that your the entire play begins with you like it did tonight?
5: Um, it was a little bit apprehensive. I did feel quite nervous. But once, literally, the moment you step on stage, it all went away. Like, I just felt at home almost like I could perform and I felt really good about it. It was fun. Mia Lalbalasha and I played the genuine genie. Eh?
0: And uh, one of the things that the adjudicator commented on uh, this evening was the um, the, the uh, performance that you had with Katie and the way you interacted with each other. Um, it looked as though you're having a lot of fun up there. Is there time to have fun in amongst all the sort of remembering lines, what have you?
5: Yes, definitely. Because even though we're on stage like working our hardest, acting the best for everyone, trying to remember our lines, we both have fun. We've been friends for ages. We always do a bunch of. Duet stuff together, so it's been really fun doing it with someone that I love working with.
0: You're still going to be doing this for years to come, aren't you?
5: Yes.
7: <laughs> Hi, I am Avril Earle, and I was the director of The Untold Story of Rose Red.
0: Um, So tell me about how you feel it went this evening.
7: I think they gave it a really good go tonight. I mean, they were a relatively young cast. Um, I think we've only got two people in the cast that are over 15, um, one by a number of days, I think, and the other is an 18. Um, But, yes, they are a relatively young cast, and they're still quite inexperienced about being on the stage. So this was a really big learning curve, and it wasn't... um, you know, everybody, had lots of, uh, everybody had a part to play, they were, and they weren't small parts either, so everybody had a speaking role. So we're really trying to develop some of those less confident and slightly more inexperienced actors to being able to get on the stage, and that's what they've done tonight, and they've made me very, very proud.
0: And and quite a large cast as well that was commented on by the adjudicator. Um, A challenge on the stage, but a challenge in rehearsals, I would imagine, as well.
7: Um, Well, yes and no. I mean, there was about 25 of us in the cast um, and they were made up of two theatre school classes from the Avril El Centre. Um, And they're really good friends they're a really good bunch of kids and they love working together so they're kind of pinging off each other and the energy is there and we've had a lot of fun in rehearsals because it's a very funny script not that half of the kids understood half of the jokes because they didn't even know who the village people were so you know when you've got to start there and explain who the village people are Um, but we have had a lot of fun and i think everybody has got something out of it
5: oh i'm coco date and i played
0: rose red um so uh, tell me wh- one of the uh comments that was made by the adjudicator there was about the physicality of the performances and uh, yours stood out do you think that might be a legacy of the fact that you were involved in a in a group that also does a lot of dance uh
5: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry that was a closed question but tell me tell me about how uh, what work you've done on your physicality for this performance
5: um well i remember starting like just, like, saying the line to the person I was talking to, and then each each time I did it, getting notes and, like, being... ..and, like, improving and making it bigger as I went along.
0: And uh, how long has the rehearsal process been for you? How many weeks have you been on this?
5: End of February, so that will be... Yeah, a couple of months. A couple of months, yeah. <laughs> My maths.
7: No.
0: And, uh, and what, what are you working on next? Have you got something lined up?
7: Not
0: yet. Not yet. Next year's <laughs> production. I'll oh, see so you, you'll back to it. How many years have you been doing this now? Well,
7: we, this is the first time I've directed for the One Play Festival. We've, do, we've done lots of things in the past, but um, this is the first time that we've actually, I've personally directed. A couple of years ago, I think we did um, We did a couple that Darren Alderton directed for us, Rainbow Fish and uh, Our Day Out. So we, that was like the first ever entry that the dance school did. Um, so we just try to do lots of different things. Our next show will be The Nutcracker at Christmas which we'll put on, which is a ballet. Um, but for these actors, uh, quite a lot of them are doing Lambda exams in a few weeks' time. So um, the, the adjudicator was talking about how, you know, they can develop their personal skills, kind of like a you know, individual skills, and, and how big the cast was today. Well, yeah, that's because this project was particularly to improve their group work, and there is plenty of opportunity for them to do things one-to-one when they do their Lambda exams, where they get a private lesson and they go into an exam on their own and perform by themselves. So it's just, you know, giving them lots of opportunities to explore different kinds of work and, and you know, different ways of performing.
5: Hi, I'm Cicely Mountford and I played Snow White.
0: Uh, obviously uh, quite a central role uh, right from the outset. Uh, how did you enjoy the way it went this evening?
5: Uh, I think it went really good because we all just had fun and just gave it our best shot. No matter how it seemed to anyone else, we all just had fun and gave it our best go.
0: And um, obviously, you know, you've know, you been working at this for two months now and you get one shot at it. I mean, is that given additional pressure compared to an ordinary theatre run?
5: Um, not really, because of how many times we just go through it and we all just learn who our characters are and it's less like we've got one shot and also we are performing it at dancing, at our dance school, a bit later. So we've got a few more, like, almost goes at it. But we've all just really learnt who our characters are and it just felt like... It was less that we had one shot and we just had fun.
0: And are you one of the students who's working towards uh, these forthcoming exams that uh, Avril was talking about? Uh,
5: no, but I did do one previously this year, last year. <laughs>
0: and, and, and how long have you been involved with the school?
5: Uh, since I was one, two or something like that.
0: Wow. Since so, Baby <laughs> so, so this has really been a part of your life throughout. Yeah. Yeah. And it always will be? Yeah. Cicely Mountford there, who played Snow White in the one-act play festival. I also caught up with the adjudicator, Chris Baglin. Um, so tell me about uh, your impressions so far of this festival.
10: Well, it's lovely uh, so far. It's great to see so many kids getting them on stage, because, you know, um, people say that the children's productions, well, the children are our future, but the thing that I see time and again in these festivals is that they're not the future, they're the now. They are ready and they are giving their all much more in many ways than, than the uh, adult companies that we see. They're more willing um, to be directed, to experiment and to, you know, you know, just be open to ideas and be creative. And I think it's something that's been lacking in their um, uh, education. So because of the Covid, not because of the teachers or anything but they've really lost out over the past two years. And getting them back in and giving them that situation uh, where they can uh, be creative and are allowed to get things wrong in the rehearsal process and develop and find out what works. And then we see the fruit of that in a festival like this one already. We've had four plays, they've all been youngsters so far, and they've all given given everything on that stage. You know, they are just magical to watch.
0: I've been speaking to some of the actors and they've been uh, telling me, in some cases, they've been doing this for, for years and years, even though they look uh, really quite young. Um, and, and it seems almost as if there's, there's just no inkling of uh, why they shouldn't be able to take on any particular role in a production. Is it, it really... Uh, that is that kind of positivity that you're talking about there?
10: Well, absolutely. I mean, we see uh, fine examples of, like, open casting these days and colour-blind casting, and we they, they should be age-blind casting to a certain degree uh, for certain things, because as i say one of the best productions i ever saw was a youth production of medea and it was very early on when i was adjudicating and i i received the script and i thought how the heck are these youngsters um you know not one of them over 11. Um, well, sorry, not one of them over 14 was going to... How they're going to do a production of Medea, if you know it's the story of Medea, you know, it, it's infanticide, it's betrayal, it's, you know, really tension. But the way they approached it and the maturity that they brought to that production and how they dealt with everything was magical and it blew me away. Uh, and it was really an eye opener i was lucky that it happened to me so early in my adjudicating career because it meant that i've never dismissed uh youngsters any uh, since then you know they they can do anything they set their minds to
0: and, and what is more important as an adjudicator the positive reinforcement of picking out the things that they've doing they've done well or the identifying of uh, ways in which they can improve and become better
10: uh, both both are equally important I feel um you have to give them credit for everything that they've done correctly absolutely but then you also have to help them achieve the next stage in their development you know to, to help them move on their performance and their uh abilities to the next level um it's not fair on them if i tell them everything's perfect when you know we all know that that this needs doing that needs attention but i also tried to focus it down to one or two things you can't you you know you don't want to be hitting them with this 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 this, and this they're youngsters they they have time to develop so get this bit right get that bit right you've already got this 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 and this right now just work on this bit and then adding on extra bit, every time I see kids in these festivals, I go back year after year to some of them, um, and I'm always able to go, OK, you've done that, last time I was here I said this, you've done that, you've developed that, you've worked on it, and you are absolutely, well, now this is the next part, this is their next step.
0: One Act Play Festival adjudicator Chris Baglin there. Let's end for now with news of a new bookings business which has been set up by a couple of local musicians. The company is called Guernsey Entertainment. It's been set up by Kaya Ashton and Mike Mike, and I went to speak to them about it at the Sunken Gardens.
4: Both of us are musicians so um, we kind of get asked a lot to do gigs and when we can't the question is always who can I get to play. Um, and there's never been, a, as far as I'm aware, there's never been a booking agency in Guernsey so it just seemed like there's a gap in the market there and why not try and uh, uh, help people out who are trying to organise their weddings or parties and stuff like that so, um, so they have a bit more of a, an idea of what goes on in Guernsey music scene. So presumably you already have
0: quite an extensive contacts list as a result of having to source other musicians for these people who've been wanting
4: to book you? Between the both of us, I think we we know pretty much all the musicians in Guernsey. <laughs> so yeah, it's fairly easy for us to, to recommend people, I think.
0: And is this any particular um, type of music or
4: uh, which genres are you covering here? All of them. So somebody might want rock for their wedding or something or somebody might want, uh, I don't know, a party function band for their corporate event we'll we'll, uh, we'll try and cover it all Next.
0: and so uh what did you make of for this idea when mike first pitched it to you then kaya
9: well at first i at first i thought i'm not going to have the time for this <laughs> but um i think it's really valuable i think it's going to streamline the process of booking musicians for the island quite considerably um and it's going to allow local musicians to feel more secure in their bookings and to Access um, more events where you know the their reach just wouldn't have found those people.
0: Is one of the considerations then um when you you said there we won't have time for it but <laughs> that, that you know you might end up doing you know a lot of administration for this uh into your time performing is uh, that is a potential uh, hazard i suppose of uh, uh, this kind of venture
9: potential but i think it will balance out i think i'm really committed to making this work we both are um and then i'm i'm a full-time musician and vocal teacher as is so it's all kind of it's all going to come into together i think
0: and so what's the nitty-gritty of this when it comes to let's say i'm, I'm a singer say and i want to come to you uh, uh, as an artist um, hoping for some bookings what's the arrangement going to be in terms of sort of business proposition
4: so well at the moment we've got a, a list of artists in guernsey also some uk and french acts um but so one of the one of the problems that we're we going to have at some point is the fact that we've already got quite a few uh, solo performers for example some of which do similar things so we can't I think that's the only drawback really is that we can't obviously advertise every single solo performer in Guernsey so um but we are creating a list um of people that would like to be um on the roster um and I'm sure it will come up where somebody can't do something and then we uh we put it forward for somebody else. Have you uh, been able to access any sort
0: of um, business advice on this? Is this that we will first venture into uh, a, a business of this kind, or are you experienced in these sorts of things?
4: Uh, well, I'm self-employed anyway, so I've, I've kind of, but in a completely different s- sphere. Um, so I kind of had an idea of how to, to set things up. Um, and with Kai's help as well, we've just kind of both, uh, well, we've launched it. I'm. I'm we're still kind of um uh understanding how exactly how precisely it will work um but i think you know as the more bookings we get the more streamlined we'll be about it so and kaya what sort of response have you had so far
9: uh it's been really good yeah we've had lots of artists come through actually and say this is a really great idea can we be on board so they're being added to our list of you know um people who who can make it if someone isn't available but um We've also, we've been chatting to a lot of the industry professionals over here as well and um, people like the guys who work at St. James, um, you know, guys who have lots of experience in running a creative business um, and we've always got those people backed up to give us a hand if we get stuck
0: and how far might you go with this i mean would do you think you might for example uh be able to help out some of the festivals in terms of getting their uh, acts lined up and that sort of thing or are you looking mainly to sort of focus in on the smaller venues
9: i mean i wouldn't rule it out i think it could be a possibility whether the festivals would need that is another thing i think guys like chaos and Velas earth they kind of have it sussed within their own um within their own groups but it's definitely an option i think our main market we're looking at people um booking for their weddings uh corporate events and then kind of background noise for daytime parties garden parties that sort of thing with the solo acts as well
0: and uh finally can i ask you uh what are your plans for your own music for uh, this year what sort of you got a lot of gigs lined up and uh, or or um recorded music to come
4: Uh, Well I'm sitting on on like a (laughs) hundred songs so uh, yeah it's just finding the time really at the moment Um, starting a new project with Charlie Sherbourne Uh, we're playing at um, uh, Guernsey Together Festival on Saturday Uh, still doing Buffalo Huddleston we've got a few gigs booked this year but um, that's about it for me at the moment. And yourself Kai?
9: Yeah lots Um, (laughs) I've got a regular stint at the moment at La Pommiere um, out at Kobo, which has been really nice. That's on Mondays. Um, and then on top of that, I've been running Sound Guernsey in hand with St. James. Um, we've got another loud night coming out in half term. Um, then we've got um, plenty more booked in for the rest of the year. We've got mentor sessions and such, but I'm also working with the Arts Commission on Art Sunday, running a stage. Um, and then I'm also gigging at places like the Drunken Dark and St. James constantly and um, kind of, yeah, just, bits and bobs all stacked up it's
0: really good Kaya Ashton there and you also heard from Mike Minker that's all for this show but do look out for our bonus pod from the recent Arts Sunday coming soon and do pick up a paper for more in-depth reporting on the arts scene here in the Bailiwick In the meantime, if you do have any project that you want to shout about or you'd like to see get further attention, do please email me at sdelarue at guernseypress.com. And I can tell you that every email we've received to that address about the ArtsPod has ended up featuring on one of our podcasts. So do take us up on that offer. But uh, that's all from me for now. Bye-bye.